Genesis chapter 22. Amen. Genesis 22. Appreciate uh, the goodness of the Lord. Appreciate God's Word. How many of you love God's Word? How many of you know you can get God's Word right here in the house of God? And that ain't something that you could say everywhere. Just because there's a steeple and a cross and an open door and a few folks doesn't mean you always get the Word of God. But I appreciate the Word of God that we receive here every time we gather into the house of the Lord. And I just want to be obedient unto the Lord and share with you what God's placed on my heart for the hour that we're in. Be in prayer for uh, Pastor and uh, Sister Heather. They're traveling to Arkansas. It seems as though they've hit that uh, growth spurt in their family. And so there's another grandbaby on the way, and they're quick to be there and, uh, and welcome that baby into this world. So be in prayer for them. Be in prayer for the, for the family and all that are involved. Amen. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Glory be to God. Genesis chapter 22. A familiar scripture, familiar portion, familiar story. <clears throat> but there was a few things that just spoke to me this afternoon that I'd love to share with you today that I think might help us if we, if we could just gather, amen, our minds together around God's Word. Beginning in chapter 1, I want to read, I want to read at least until verse, verse number 8. Genesis 22, beginning in verse number 1. Look at it with me. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering, Upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and he said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Praise the Lord. Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? God's going to provide it, son. God's going to provide it. How many of you know he is the provider? You've seen him provide in your life? You live, any more, you, you live any length of time longer, you'll see God provide again and again for your life. Amen. Why is that? Because he is, that's his nature. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Praise the Lord. I'd like, to, I'd like to just share these thoughts with you tonight, and that is a place of remembering. Just a place of remembering. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we just come to you tonight, Lord. We're honored 
to be in your presence. We're honored, Lord, that you have called us unto the kingdom for such a time as this. In this house tonight, no doubt, Lord, there are many that need a remembrance, many, many that need a reminder, Lord, of what you've done and what you're continuing to do. I pray, God, that you would just touch our hearts, open your word to our understanding. Be quick, Lord God, to minister to us, and we'll be quick to give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. <clears throat> A place of remembering. This story, the story of Abraham and Isaac, is really a, 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 a profound story. The Bible records this story for us, and it's not just that it's an interesting story, but it is most profound in the fact that it deals specifically and ties directly to us even to this day. Amen. Promises that God had made Abraham have extended themselves all the way to where you and I are sitting in this world right now. And that just seems to uh, speak to me and remind me how that uh, God's promises, according to the Scripture, the Bible says that the promises of God are yea, and in Christ they are amen. Praise the Lord. That when God promises a thing, there's nothing that will keep the promise of God from coming to pass. Amen. There's nothing that will, pre uh, that will prevent God from doing what he has established in his foreordained knowledge to do. And one of those things that he uh, designed to do was to bless this world, bless the, the offspring of the, through the life and lineage of Abraham so that in time to come there would be a Messiah, a redeemer of mankind that would affect all of human history. Glory be to God. Amen. And of course, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but in this story, I'd like to take the time tonight, if I could, for just a few minutes to revisit some of those things that happened on that mountainside that day that serve as a reminder of why God is calling you and I to a place of obedience. Amen. I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be uh, without saying it. I don't want it to go without being said, rather. Amen, that God has called all of us to a place of obedience. Amen, you and I will get no further in the Lord than our last place of disobedience. Can you say amen? What do you mean by that? I mean, well, God is dealing with us continually. How many of you have lived long enough for the Lord to understand you haven't figured it out all yet? Now, I know that's a hard thing to, 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 uh, to get through in the minds of, of, of our human standing and our human nature, but even in our spiritual complexities, uh, sometimes we kind of get the cart before the horse. We think, well, I got saved. I've got it all figured out. And then the next thing you know, somebody's picking you up on the, off the side of the road, spiritually speaking, and helping you to massage the, 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 the boo-boos that you got on the way. How many of you are with me tonight? You understand, amen, that you can, uh, you can get a little sideways sometimes. Well, I'm not, here to, I'm not here to adorn getting sideways. I'm here to alarm you and to remind you, amen, that God has called us to walk in obedience unto him. If you're going to falter, uh, falter in the process of obedience. 
if that is a thing, amen, falter falling towards the cross, falling towards Calvary, amen, letting God know that, hey, Lord, my desire and my heart is to pursue you, not to pursue my agenda, but to pursue your perfect will. Jesus laid it out for us there in the New Testament uh, as he was there with his disciples. He took a few of them with him, amen, and you know the Bible, the story says he told his disciples, he said, you stay here, I need to go a little further, there's something that's really pressing me, uh, and we know what that was. It was the uh, coming of uh, the, uh, him dying on the cross. But at, at that place where he was all along and praying, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And there are things and times and moments in your life and mine that will surface that will remind us that we don't know what the perfect will for our life is at that moment. But there's one that does, and we surrender to his perfect will. Glory to God. I'm, a, I'm confident in telling you tonight, God will never lead anybody astray. Amen. Amen. Will not lead you astray. And so, so the Bible, there's a few things that the Bible shares with us in this story. And I want, a couple of things I'd like to clear up or just bring to your clarification, and that is this. In verse number one, King James says that it came to pass after those things, that God did tempt Abraham. Now, the more uh, accurate translation of that is to test Abraham. How many of you understand God doesn't tempt man? Amen. It's the enemy. It's the devil that tempts man. Glory be to God. In fact, James would tell it to us, tell it to us like this. He would say man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and he's enticed. And so the enemy comes to tempt your life. Young people, amen, are you in the house this evening? Any, any young people? Yeah, there's a young person. One person. One young person. There's a bunch of. All right. Mom and dad, you're not exempting this either. But how many of you understand temptation comes to bring you down? Temptation comes to destroy. Temptation comes to divide, to, to devour. Amen. But testings come to prove. Praise the Lord. A testing. God tested Abraham. Amen. What does that testing mean? Amen. That testing just simply means it, it wasn't God trying to figure out what was inside of Abraham. Do you understand tonight that sitting here on this pew, God knows all about you? Amen. Every single thing about you, all of the thoughts and the intents of your heart, the Bible says God knows. Amen. God is not disconnected from humanity. He knows all that there is to know about us. Praise the Lord. And so it's not testing him to see what's in him. It's testing him to show him what's in him. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's times, friends, if I can, if I can share it to you like this, there's going to be times, amen, when the press is going to start turning in on you. Amen. When the screws are going to get tight. When things are going to get a little bit pressing on you. Why is it God? Are you trying to figure out what's in me? No. Amen. It's for God to show you what's inside of you. Amen. I remember hearing a story one time. Some of you that have a little bit more experience in life than us might know what I'm talking about, but how many of you have ever been to a Brush Arbor meeting? Yeah, there are some experienced folks in here. Amen. I've been to a Brush Arbor meeting. Love going to those meetings, those outdoor, uh, those outdoor uh, uh, revival services. But I, I remember reading the story of a Brush Arbor meeting, and it was a time where, where God was really moving. And uh, there were some folks in the community that, didn't ju that just didn't like what was going on. Amen. They just didn't care about it. I mean, how many of you know, know there's a lot of folks that just don't care about what's going on in here? 
And we're, we're, we're shifting into a time and we're shifting into an era of time where it's not, it's not just that they don't care about what's going on in here, but they want to try to stop what's going on in here. They want to try to hinder or they want to try to thwart what's going on in here. Well, that's not a new phenomenon, but it certainly is a little more aggressive, I would say. But anyway, the story that I read, um, here it is. This brush arbor uh, uh, is going on, and you've got the preachers on the stage, and they're having a service, and, and some of the wranglers in town come to the back of the service, and they start throwing eggs, and they start throwing all kinds of stuff at the preachers. And, 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 and one, of the, uh, one of the preachers, uh, he happened to have a, a kind of a speech impediment. And boy, man, as he was just up there taking, taking charge of the service, an egg flew by and hit one of his fellow preacher friends on the head, and he let out a curse word. When he grabbed his mouth right as he did it. After, I mean, he, he felt really bad about it, felt condemned over it. And when the service was all over with, he went to the, the preacher that was preaching the revival service. He said, why, why is it that whenever, whenever you got hit with the egg, you said, praise the Lord. But when I got hit with the egg, there was something that came out of me that wasn't that way. And he said, it's because the, the egg just, just pulled it out of you. <laughs> Sometimes eggs come to us in life to reveal to us what's inside of us. For what purpose? To condemn me? No. To correct me. To correct me. How many of you know correction is protection? It is. Amen. And those of you that are young enough in here to get a whooping when you get home, understand it's your correction for your protection. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I, can get, I can get an amen out of mom and daddy's, but these young kids just turned me off. Turn your hearing aid back on. Praise the Lord. But the Bible said God tested Abraham. God isn't testing you in order to see what's in you, but rather reveal to you what's in you. Amen. And in the course of this story, what I understand, what I read, God doesn't need a place in your life. Listen, God doesn't need a place in your life. God doesn't need prominence in your life. But God desires, God deserves, and God demands preeminence in your life. You see, you can't just add Jesus to the mix. Praise the Lord. You'll get a concoction that doesn't work. You can't add most of him to most of you. Amen. It's either all of him or it's none of him. Praise the Lord. And if you've got Jesus, you've got all that you need, friend, in this world to live. Glory to God. You've got all that you need to live successfully in this world. Amen. He doesn't deserve a place in your life. He deserves preeminence in your life. What do you mean? He owns it all. He owns it all. I'm his. We've been bought with a price. Jesus would say some radical things in his ministry that would really get the wheels turning. It really makes some people a little upset, but it would really get the wheels turning in those who had a heart after God. He would say things like this, if you don't hate mother or father, you can't be a part of me. Wow, that's radical, isn't it? That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty involved. You mean hate 
my mom, my dad hate my, my family and, 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 and all of those kinds of things? What was, he, what was he simply saying? If you don't hate father or mother, you can't be my disciple. I didn't come into this world to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Those are some radical statements. But what was he saying by saying all of that? He was simply saying, look, it's all of me. You, you want me? You get all of me. I'll not share my glory with anybody else. First commandment. I am the Lord thy God. I am the Lord thy God. Nothing else. He's not drawing a line saying you can't love family and you can't appreciate family, but he is drawing the line simply saying to us, I must be preeminent over anything and everything in your life. Praise the Lord. So we go back up to the mountain. We find Abraham uh, being challenged, being tested by God. Abraham comes to that place uh, where the Lord speaks to him and he calls to him. He calls to him and he says, he says in verse number two, uh, I'm sorry, in verse number one, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. If you look at that real close and if you'll pay attention to it, it's really the language of a servant. Amen. It's a language of a servant. Abraham, behold, Lord, here I am. I've, I've been in those situations in life, and I've seen those situations where they get tense. Maybe a parent is calling for a child, and you hear the child say, what? Oh, you know that just ain't going to be good. Or I hear an adult calling out to another adult, and it's, what do you want now? Tension already. Already. Siblings, one to another, fussing and fighting. How many of you know, moms and dads, it's a challenge to raise siblings in this hour. Amen. I know that you've probably said things to your kids like I've said to my kid. Boy, I sure hope Jesus don't come back today <laughs> for your sake. <laughs> but on my end of things, I was like, please, Lord, come Jesus. <laughs> Get me out of this warfare here. <clears throat> But he has, this is the language of a servant. Abraham, here I am, Lord. How is your response to God? When God begins to speak to you, when God begins to whisper to your heart, when he begins to put his finger on some things in our lives, amen, how is our response to God? Our response is going to be a very, uh, a very um, um, directional thing. Amen. The way that we respond is going to is going to start to pattern a path for us of either of either heartache, amen, or of joy and peace. Amen. And so when when God began to speak to Abraham here, he begins to speak to him about this place of separation, separating, amen, uh, and, and going in a radical different direction than anything that he had ever considered in his life before. Amen. And God's calling the church in the hour that we're in. He's calling us to be that same way. This radical separation. What do you mean? Isolation? No. Isolation isn't insulation. Amen. Isolate. God never called us to be an island unto ourselves. 
Amen. We are a light unto the world. We hear that all the time. We are a city set on a hill whose light cannot be hid. God has called you and I to be light to the dark world. Amen. We're not separated in that sense. We're separated in the, in the fact that we live differently because we have been born again. Amen. Paul said it like this in the book of Galatians chapter 2. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, if we are, if we live a crucified life, a life dedicated to the Lord, um, amen, we are a victorious believer. We're a victorious Christian. We walk in victory, even though there may be, uh, there may be struggles around us and there may be trials and temptations all around us. We're still more than conquerors because of him uh, who loved us. Praise the Lord. We don't have to be, uh, amen, defeated in this hour. Why? Because God has given us power, amen, to be victorious. Hallelujah. There's a few things that are meant to stir up our remembrance that I think God spoke to Abraham about that I want to encourage your heart with tonight. First thing I want to look at is I want you to, I want you to call to mind the place where you could have been. I want you to remember where you could have been. Abraham, yes, Lord, get your son, your only son. The all, and now he had another son, but the other son wasn't the son of promise. This is the son of promise. This is Isaac. Through him, the Lord saying to Abraham, through Isaac, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So I'm speaking to you from a place of promise, Abraham. Get your son, your only son, whom thou lovest. I've always thought that statement to be very, very um, particular, very peculiar. I mean, what parent doesn't love their kids? Well, we know it exists, but we don't know it ourselves. As a believer, we love our kids. But you're not going to pick any newspaper up in any town of America and find somewhere where somebody does not love their kids because they killed them, they discarded them, they whatever. And so this isn't, you know, when you, when you consider that, that God had, had worked his work through the life of Abraham and Sarah, she's 90 years old and he's 100. You know what's, I've, I've thought about this. There's, there, there, there's something more miraculous than having a child at 90 as a, as a lady. And all you ladies are rolling your eyes like, I can't even imagine that. Dad, you're 100 years old. But you know, what's, you know what's worse than that, if that's the right way to say it? It's raising a teenager at 116. That's enough to make you pull somebody's hair out. And probably not mine. <laughs> Think about that. They're raised, now, not any different than, the, than, than, than what we would think people to be today. Young people are young people, right? They have their way about getting under our skin. But we still love them. We still pray for them. We still invest into their lives. But this isn't some troubled teenage teenager that God is coming to Abraham concerning. You know, Abraham, I want you to get your son, your only son, and go, yes, God, I got to get rid of That ain't it at all. This is the son, the Bible says, who he loved. He loved his son. Why? Because he's the heir of promise. Everything God has promised him hinges 
on his survival. If there's going to be anybody protected under Abraham's, uh, under Abraham's roof, it's going to be Isaac because this is the seed promise. This is the one God has told me, hey, through him, all of the, if you can count the number of the uh, stars in the, in the sky, you can, you, can, you can be able to count your offspring. I don't know if I can consider that. All right, well, then if you, can, if you can count the number of the sands of the sea, then you can count your offspring. What was God telling him? I've got big plans for you, buddy. I've got big plans for you, and you better take care and hold on to what it is uh, that I've called for you, uh, amen, to watch over. So Abraham was given the commission. I want you to think about it. Abraham was given the commission. You, you harness him. You watch him. You care for him. Uh, amen. You watch over him. You protect him with everything. And then all of a sudden, just like that, it's like God changes his mind, and he says, I want you to take him and kill him. That would make you... Would that, would that make you stop? And Did I read that in my devotion right, Lord? Let me look back at that page. If you want to talk about some inner turmoil, it's whenever you know, you know that you know that God has spoken to you about something, but all of the visible ingredients look nowhere near like what that needs. You with me? I know, God, you told me to tithe. I know that you told me to give this special offering. And I gave it, but Lord, why is it, why can't I, how come I don't have enough money to pay this bill? Or how come I don't have enough to do that or enough to do this? This is just something that tangible that we can connect to, all right? How, why is it God, and so boy, just as soon as, as soon as God speaks this promise to you and you grab a hold of it, I can tell you right now, there will be every test that will come your way to reveal what's inside of you and I. That's what it was God began to test Abraham. He told Abraham before, before Isaac was ever born, he said, hey, I'm going to give you a son. And, Abraham, you know, he showed up at the, uh, at, the, at the noonday one day with two other guys. It was, uh, according to the Bible, um, two angels in the Lord showed up. Amen. Abraham recognized them, bowed down, said, Lord, I want you to stay right here. I want to feed you. I want to feed from you. You know the story the Lord told Abraham that day. He said, hey, about this time, this year, next year uh, your wife is going to give birth well she's in the back uh, in the house in the kitchen cooking up something to eat and making some bread and God uh, and, and, and Abraham and the others are out there on the porch and the Lord says this time next year she's going to have a baby nobody heard it except the Lord but she's back there I would imagine there was a twinkle in Abraham's eye. Really? You mean my wife? Lord, have you seen how old she is? With God, nothing shall be impossible. And according to the scripture, it was beyond the time of her life. God just stretched himself out from eternity into time and he turned on her systems. Amen. And I imagine that loaf of bread got cooked quicker than she'd ever cooked a loaf of bread. She's in there laughing like that. And all of a sudden, boy, she just got a little skip in her step. A promise? A revealed promise to me? God, you're giving me a promise? 
Well, yeah, I am. Even though you laughed about it, I am giving you this promise. Oh, I, I wasn't laughing like that. I, look, I know what I know. And so, boy, that time, the following year, they welcomed a bouncing baby boy into the world. And I would imagine there would have been plenty of times throughout the night, especially about the diaper changing time, where both of them said, what did we get ourselves into? Maybe they even questioned from time to time, why are we here? Sometimes we do that with God. You know that? Why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you committing yourself to me in this way? And we get, we get hemmed in by what we think a promise should be, and it doesn't look anything like what's happening right at the moment, and we begin to get a little fearful, and we get, begin to get a little bit afraid. And so here we've got God given this promise it being fulfilled, and, the, and they're grooming this young man to become the heir of promise to the whole world. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to take the son that you love. I want you to kill him. This shows the faith that Abraham had in God. Amen. The faith that Abraham had in God was simply this. According to the book of Hebrews, we understand that Hebrews teaches us that uh, Abraham believed that even if he had to go, go through with the action of killing his son, that God would, God would have raised him up. So he had, he had a grounded faith in what God was going to ask of him to do. But, but whenever they're there, and here, here, here they take the... Um, they take the uh, wood. The Bible says they take the wood. He cuts the wood up and he gives it to his son. Amen. For the burnt offering. And, they, uh, and Abraham takes the fire and they rose up and they went to a place that they could see afar off. Sometimes the promise that God has called for us uh, to participate in seems to be afar off. Amen. And it's not something that's going to come without any kind of effort. We've got to put some effort into it. But it's worth what God's going to reveal. Amen. And that's exactly what Moses, uh, Abraham is doing. He's walking uh, in the knowledge of the revealed will of God. I don't know it all, but every step, uh, you're going to remind me that you're in charge. I, don't, I can't see it all, but step by step, uh, things are going to become enlightened. How many of you understand uh, that's the way God works many times? Uh, amen. It's through the step of obedience uh, that the revelation uh, amen or the full picture comes into view I'm not asking God's not asking me to give account uh, for what I don't see uh, he's only asking me to be responsible uh, for the steps that I take praise the Lord uh, and the Bible does remind us that the steps uh, of a good man they are ordered uh, of the Lord God's not bringing me there uh, so that he can dispose of me uh, God's not bringing me there uh, so that he can tear me down uh, God's bringing me where he's bringing me uh, so that he can build me up, uh, amen, in the most holy faith. Can you say amen? God's not bringing you where you're at to destroy you. He's not. And so there, this man of faith, this son of promise, they're on their journey. And as they're going to that place of sacrifice, it's three days. There's a lot of symbolism in this chapter uh, that, that coincides with Calvary. I won't draw all of them, but, but, but a lot of them are just there uh, without even having to dig deep. But three-day journey 
into that wilderness and they come to the place where God showed him. Verse number seven, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and he said, my father, here my son, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where is the burnt offering? See, Isaac hadn't been in on it yet. He hadn't been in on it yet. Understand, he understands that if we're going to go worship, we're going to be bringing a sacrifice. Amen. That's something that may be missing in our church world today. And I appreciate, I'll just throw this in, this, this is free, but it'll help you. I appreciate the fact that this is a, this is a, um, um, <clears throat> a participation event. Worship time is a participation event. I've been to way too many churches in my lifetime to where it was, it was a stage production. And that just doesn't cut the mustard. That's not going to get what we need. There's got to be participation. Amen. And I, I appreciate that about this church, that it participates in the time of worship. We can do more and we'll do more. But participate is what God's called us to do. And, and Isaac, as a young teenager, he understood that very principle. If we're called, you know, he's thinking to himself, if we're called to offer a, a, a if we're called to go worship, then certainly there's got to be a sacrifice involved. And so when they get to the mountain, the top of the mountain, and they got everything laid out there, he began to lay out the wood, and they began to lay out the, uh, uh, get the fire and stuff kindled and all that. And he said, Dad, I see everything, but where's the sacrifice? God's going to provide, son. God's going to provide. I like the way King James says it. God will provide himself a sacrifice, meaning God himself will become the sacrifice. Amen. That's where we get Jehovah Jireh from. from. The Lord is our provider. God's going to provide. All right, I'm sitting around waiting. I'm watching, I'm waiting, I'm watching, I'm waiting. Isaac, yes? Put your hands behind your back, please, sir. Okay. Now think about this. You've got a 120-year-old man and a teenage boy. And this dad is telling this son, I need you to trust me. I told you God's going to provide a sacrifice. I want you to put your hands where I can bind you. I'm going to lay you on this altar. You want to know about, you, you know about trust? You want to see a picture of trust and love, devotion, and confidence? I can promise you right now, I don't have to even do a, 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 a humanities study to understand that a teenage boy can outrun a 120-year-old man any day of the week. Backwards. With the exception of just a few people in the world, a, 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 a 16-year-old boy can beat up a 120-year-old man any day of the week. So Isaac, I'm certain, had to, had to be in on it, in a sense. He had to know that what his dad has just committed to the Lord had to be 100% right. I want to stop and throw this in to those parents in this room today that are raising kids that are still in your household. Some parents still raise kids that are not in their household, but I'm talking to the ones that are 
in your household still today. I want to talk to the kids. Kids, I promise you, your mom and your dad want the absolute best for your life. And all the moms and dads said, amen. amen. I promise you, they want the best girl for you if you're a boy. And they want the best boy for you if you're a girl. I promise you. It's that way. That's the way God has orchestrated things. God has ordained things to be that way. And so appreciate the knowledge and the wisdom and the, and the uh, experience that they bring to the relationship. Appreciate that. It's not always. I know, I, I know it's not always appreciated. But understand that it, is, it comes from the right spot. It comes from the right place. If they say, son, I wouldn't do that. There's a reason, and I would, I would buy into that if I were you. Or, sweet baby, I wouldn't say that if I was you. Buy into it. They know what they're talking about. Young people, those of you that are still at home, if you'll honor your mother and your father, the Bible says... That God gives you a promise. How many of you know what that promise is? That your days on earth will be long. This, this ain't even my notes. This is, this is something that just came across the top of my head. I've got a cousin of mine. He's probably 22, 23 now. Uh, him and Jensen were friends there, kind of in their youth age. And so he came over to our house one, one day and he wanted to, he wanted, him and Jensen wanted to play. He said, all right. And so uh, they played, and then after they got through playing, they wanted to watch Jurassic Park. So I put Jurassic Park on the movie thing for them to watch. And Jensen was probably five years old or whatever. My little cousin, he was 12 maybe. Every three or four minutes, Jensen's running across the room, you know, acting, acting out like five-year-olds do, you know. Was, that, was it five or 15? Which one was it all? And, I, and so, so I, here I am just trying to, uh, hey, son, sit down. And he'd sit down for about 30 seconds then jump up and run over again. Ah, you know, uh, son, sit down. Son, sit down. Son, sit down. Sit down. Finally, my little cousin, being the righteous young man that he is, he stood up. He stopped Jensen. He said, Jensen, I've heard your dad tell you a number of times to sit down. The Bible says if you obey your parents, you're going to live to be 80 years old, but I don't think you're going to make six. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> I don't think you'll make it to six. But young people, if you'll honor your mother and your father, that, the days of your, that, the, that your days on earth may, may be long. There'll be blessings attached to the honor that you give to your parents. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of helpful advice tonight. And so, uh, again, getting back to remember where we could have been. So Isaac is there, and, and, and the Bible says that Abraham bound him up. Bound him up. Placed him on that makeshift altar. Took the knife that he had and began... How many of you understand the, 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 the downward motion? Watch it with me. Here he is with a knife in hand. He's ready to slaughter his own son. And if you know anything about, about motion, 
All right, take a batter, for instance. You get a batter who's got the bat in his, uh, in his, in his hands and he's ready to hit the ball whenever he, whenever he loads and he's ready to explode. It's near to impossible to stop. How about you golfers in here? You got any golfers in here that like to play? Amen, you get your swing back and you're, you're going through your swing. It's almost impossible to stop. But as, as Abraham is coming down in his motion to take the life of his son, the Lord says, stop, Abraham. And in mid-motion, Abraham stops. He stops. He said, look, to your side there. He looks, and there's the ram. Guess what the ram was caught by? Caught by the place where his strength is the, is the most aggressive, in his horn. Do you think a ram caught by his horns, uh, amen, is a natural thing? No, that's a supernatural thing. The, 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 the price and the penalty that God was providing for them that day on the, on the, uh, the mountain there, uh, amen, was a, was a divine thing. Amen. That ram could have shook his head loose uh, and got out, of that, uh, uh, got out of that tangled mess pretty easily. But it was a supernatural event that was taken place. And there, on top of that mountain, uh, instead of Isaac having to give his life, uh, God provided himself uh, a sacrifice. Amen. He provided himself a sacrifice. Now watch this. I want to go into the life of Isaac for just a minute, and I want to consider what it may have looked like from his perspective. And ultimately, it's all, it's, it's all of our perspectives if we look at it from Calvary's point of view. You have that lamb laying out on that altar. And you have this son who was just, who, who, whose death sentence was just suspended because somebody else or something else took his place. There was a substitution that took place. Amen. Kind of like it was. Whenever you came to Calvary, amen, whenever that was, whether you were a young person, a middle-aged person, whether you haven't come yet or not, when you got yourself to Calvary, you know what took place there? A great substitution faction took place. Amen. God substituted in place of you dying for your sins. He substituted for you and let his son be the propitiation for your sins. And not for your sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Praise the Lord. Amen. He substituted, uh, amen, so that you could walk away scot-free. Uh, amen. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, amen. Salvation uh, is free, uh, but it wasn't cheap. Amen. Uh, I said it was free, uh, but it wasn't cheap. Uh, it cost a man his life. Uh, a man willingly laid his life down for you uh, and for me uh, and for us to walk by uh, and to sneer at it. Uh, amen. Is the biggest offense in the face of God. I don't believe Isaac, I don't believe Isaac walked away that day. Honestly, I don't believe he walked away and said, you know, uh, that, that lamb was worthy of death. I wasn't, that lamb was. You know what I think? This is just my crazy thinking. I like to think that whenever Abraham came to him and said, come on, son, let's, let's go home. Let's, let's head on back to the house. All right, Dad, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be right there. Give me just a minute. I'll be right there. Where you going? Hold on, Dad. Hold on, Dad. Maybe he kind of looked around a little bit. He walked over there where the, where the altar was, where that lamb was. May I look down at it? 
Oh, little lamb, thank you for taking my place. I think Isaac, there might have been something stir up in him thinking where he could have been. When's the last time you and I, in our own emotions, in our will, in our, in our own, own willfulness, brought ourselves back to Calvary and said, I thank you for dying in my place. I want to thank you, Lord, for taking my place. When's the last? You know, sometimes we get this air of arrogance about us that we deserve to belong. Amen. We belong because we are whatever and you fill in the blank. But I can tell you this much. Uh, every single one of us in this room, uh, amen, had a straightaway one-way ticket to hell already punched. Uh, amen. But the king of glory stepped in. Uh, amen. And he said, I will gladly pay the penalty uh, for whosoever will. Uh, for whosoever shall call uh, on the name of the Lord, they shall uh, be saved. Uh, I think it's time every once in a while uh, that we run back up to that mountain. Uh, amen. We look at that that's laying there and we say little lamb I want to thank you for taking my place I want to thank you for dying in my stead I want to thank you for bearing my sins in your own body on the tree that I might be free can you say amen oh when's the last time you had a good thankful prayer meeting when's the last time you were riding down the road of life amen and some uh, emotion just overwhelms you to where you had to stop uh, and say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Lord I was going down the wrong way uh, but you turned my life around uh, and now I'm headed uh, towards uh, your kingdom glory be to God I'm headed uh, in the way I haven't figured it all out uh, but I'm directed by the one that has uh, amen I'm being led by the one uh, who has the word of promise uh, the Bible says it's a sure word of promise. He will not fail you, friends. He will not fail you. Glory be to God. I think it's important for us to return to that place time and time and time again. Let me say it like this. It's somewhat offensive as a believer to be told, hey, you need to praise the Lord when it seems like I'm not already doing it. I'm speaking to me. Lord, don't catch me at a place to where I'm not thankful for what you've done. Romans chapter number one speaks of a lot of evil that's been going on in that last in that in that world that Paul was a part of, but also in the world that we're a part of. But you know, one of the things that stuck out to me as I was reading that this morning, the Bible says, neither were they thankful. If there's anything that turns my stomach, it's somebody who feels like that they're entitled to everything. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your demographic is. That's irrelevant. You think you're entitled because whatever. You know what you're entitled to? You're entitled to a lake of fire. You're entitled, you're entitled to eternal separation. Oh, if you could make your way back up to that mountain every once in a while and look at that makeshift altar that's still there with that sacrifice that had laid there and say, oh, I want to thank you. Thank you. Remember where you could have been. Amen. Remember where you could have been. 
Oh my, I'd hate to think of where, what jail cell I would be in today had it not been for Jesus. I'd hate to know what life, what my life would look like outside of Jesus. I know you feel the same way, but I want you to consider a few things to consider from this chapter. Remember where you could have been. After he finished, in my, in my own uh, interpretation of the story there, after, after Isaac finished uh, giving, uh, giving uh, uh, honor to the sacrifice that took his place, when he turned around, he saw his father right over there. And he remembered, just like that, my father's with me. I know we don't see God in, in the natural aspect. We see him through the eye of faith. But I can tell you, it's, it's the spiritually blind that don't see him. Hebrews chapter 11, I guess maybe verse 23, 24, somewhere through there. The Bible talks about Moses, how Moses endured. And it says something very interesting. It says, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God's only invisible to those who won't see him. But if you have a heart of faith, you have a desire, if you have a will of faith, you'll see God. You'll see him. Praise the Lord. He'll show up in all different kinds of ways. Amen. He'll manifest himself in all different types of scenarios. Praise the Lord. And if, he, and, 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 if, and if he's doing it for any reason, he's doing it for the purpose, number one, to let you know that he's with you. Amen. Didn't he tell us in his scripture, amen, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that a promise that he gives to us? Why do we sometimes fall prey to the emotion of the hour and say, well, God's done forgotten about me? No, he hadn't. It's impossible for God to forget about you. It is impossible for God to forget about you. Amen. We're his creation. <clears throat> My grandmother, she's, she's passed away now, but in the later stages of her life, she had, uh, she had developed dementia and Alzheimer's, and, and really, uh, it was a real, real discouraging and difficult thing to watch. She was, a, she was sharp as a tack, sharp, 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 sharp. Rattle off scripture. I mean, she was a believer. And so we knew her time on, on earth wasn't, wouldn't, couldn't be much longer. Uh, even if she did not have that disease, just her age, she couldn't, she couldn't have lived much longer. And so every time we had a chance to get together, it was a special occasion. Well, this particular Christmas was going to be a special one because, you know, it just didn't look like she was going to live much longer. And so we all gathered at my uncle's house, and we were having Christmas like we always do. And, and uh, you know, everybody was talking to, to Grandma, and, and you know, that you have those in the room, oh, it's pitiful, she's just pitiful, you know, and all this kind of thing. And it is. And so I, I, I took it a little diff different direction. I wanted to just see what mattered, what really, what really stuck with her. <clears throat> and so I went over to her, I said, I said, hey, Grandma, how you doing? She looked at me, she said, oh, I'm doing fine, who are you? And uh, I'm your favorite grandchild. <laughs> well, what's your name? And I told her my name. She said, well, you look familiar. I, I don't know you, but you look familiar. And Yeah, I'm the one who, I'm the one that always, always 
uh, pokes around with you, you know, and uh, oh, okay, okay, well, you doing okay, and do you got family, you know, and all of these things. She she lived with me for years, and so I was just kind of playing along with that, and I said, I said, Grandma, there's something. I, I came here to tell you something that 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 I think is is important for you to understand. She said, Well, what is it, darling? I said, I have found out today. The scientists have proven that God doesn't exist anymore. She said, you shut your lying mouth. He's the one that saved me from my sin. I said, he did? Oh, yes, he did. Back in 1944 at the Brush Arbor meeting at such and such address, so-and-so was preaching such and such gospel. And I said, do you have any proof of that? And she said, oh, yes, I do. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Let's say, and boy, she began to sing a song. And that, that, that excited me like nothing else. And you know why it excited me? I, I, I was a little bit disheartened that she didn't remember my name, but I, I was very excited at the fact that she did not forget anything that was most important. She never left sight of the fact that the things that were the most important is what she was going to hold on to until her very dying day. Praise the Lord. I can tell you this, amen. We never, amen, he is never out. We're never out of his sight. We're never out of his care. We're never out of his reach. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Why would I not trust a promise like that? Remember, when you come down from that mountain, remember the Father's with you. Remember he's with you. Sundays are great. But how many of you ever had a week of Mondays? <laughs> a month of Mondays. Remember, the Father's with you. There's going to be challenges that, that happen tomorrow that you could not in your wildest imagination consider that they would have been there. It's there to test you. How many of you remember the television, the times when TV, TV stations used to go off at 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock? How many of you remember that? And they would normally play that banner you know, and the flag flying. You remember all that? Thing? How many of you don't know what I'm talking about? Jollison. <laughs> oh, nostalgia. What a wonderful thing. In fact, when it was summertime, one of my, one of my favorite things, well, one of the things that I enjoyed the most is, is when I'd ask mom, Mom, can I, can, I, can I stay up past my bedtime? You can stay up. You, you can stay up until they start playing the national anthem. I knew what that meant. I think it was, was it 11 o'clock? It might have been, huh? Yeah, 11 o'clock. It might have been 11. I was like, all right, I got till 11 o'clock. But then they also used to do this thing on the TV. They said, the attention signal that you're about to hear is a test. It's only a test. If the broadcasters in your area would have determined that this is not a test, and you would have been whatever, verified, notified, and whatever, and then, then it's got this long beep. You know, and of course, me being the remote control, I had to go over and turn it down. Anybody else here was the remote controller? <laughs> the rabbit ears? <laughs> go get some more foil. <laughs> well, I'm talking to the uppity folks over here, huh? <laughs> if you, you were really uptown if you had, a, if you had an antenna up in your attic. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, praise the Lord. But you know, 
Those things, we've gone through those things in the natural, but when they happen in the spiritual, we flip out. And God's calling us to a place of calmness, a place of, a place of reserve, a place of, 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 of trust, a place of obedience. You're going through issues in life that may be the result of your own doing, maybe the re result of somebody else's doings. But regardless, we can rest on the promise that God made to us that he will always be with you. Amen. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Even to the ends of the earth. Praise the Lord. The Father is with you. And then, Brother Brandon, if you want to come ahead. One other thing that I, I feel in my spirit is a very, a very uh, <clears throat> important thing. Remember where you could have been. We need to visit that again. Remember the Father's with you. But remember, when we leave, we're going home. Turn the lights out. Turn off the mic. Let's go home. Remember, you're going home. If in this life only I had hope, I would be of all men most miserable. We're going home. We're going home. I heard somebody challenge me here a few weeks ago, said, you really believe in that heaven stuff? I said, you better know I do. You better know I do. I said, I, I, in fact, I threw it back at him. I said, you mean to tell me you don't believe in it? No, I don't believe in that. I said, then why in God's name are you living in southeast Texas? If this is as good as you think it's going to get, why don't you move somewhere where you can really enjoy it? Go to Hawaii. Go to Bora Bora. Go to whatever, Switzerland, whatever. Why are you camping out here if this is all that there is? I'm not being ugly. I'm just trying to bring some sense to the conversation. I love where I live. Praise the Lord. But if this is all I had to live for, I would be a miserable dude. I'd be a miserable person. You wouldn't be able, amen, to be around me. You couldn't stand to be around me. But, oh, can I tell you something from the Word of God? John chapter 14, uh, Jesus told his disciples, he said this. Now watch it. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Oh, listen, that word let is very important. You know why? Because that word implies resistance. It implies that there's something that's going to come and challenge your heart to be troubled. But don't let it happen. Praise the Lord. Don't let it happen. When you read the newspaper uh, and it says everything's going to hell in a handbasket, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, when you look at the gas pump and you can't afford to fill up any longer, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, when it looks like that uh, everything's going off, uh, amen, the deep end, don't let your hearts uh, be troubled. Why? He said, because uh, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house uh, are many mansions. Uh, and if it were not so, I would have told you so. Let me put it to you in layman's terms. I wouldn't let you believe a lie. You want to believe all that heaven stuff? You better know I'm going to believe all that heaven stuff. You know what the Bible says? 
You know what the Bible says about the salvation that you have right now, the experience of salvation? We were born again through the work of the Spirit. The Bible says that, that He has given us the earnest of our inheritance. Anybody in here know what earnest money is? Anybody ever bought something that had to put earnest money down? An earnest contract? You know what it is, don't you? I'm giving it to you, telling you I'm coming back and getting the rest of it to you so I can take it with me. Salvation is the promise. Salvation is the reality of heaven. Amen. When he saved you, he put within you the realization that heaven is indeed real. Glory be to God. I'm not trying to fight it out by myself, for myself, here by myself. Amen. He gave me something here to go to heaven for and go to heaven with. Praise the Lord. I, I'm not on my own, friends. You're not on your own. Amen. We're not walking, amen, a path that's going nowhere. Amen. We're looking for a city that has builders whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. I can assure you right now, there is a promise given unto the church watch this watch this and we're going to close this is this is important this is this is exciting to me i gotta see it to believe it let me challenge you go home tonight and read the book of hebrews chapter 11 you read about all of those the bible says they died in faith but brother brother steve you know what it also says they wandered in faith. Do you know it takes more faith to trust that God knows where you're going than for you to know where you're going? If you're that Christian that has to have it all laid out before you'll take the first step, you're never going anywhere. You'll never go anywhere. But those who walked toward the promise, the Bible says they wandered in faith. I don't know, God, what you've got for me, but I know. How, how can I be assured that there's a city, amen, whose builder and maker is God? How can I be assured of, of that? Well, Lord, I, I can take you at your word. Glory be to God. I can take the, 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 the word of the Lord, amen, to heart. It's not a place of myth, amen. It's not some kind of coping mechanism that allows me to get through the day another day. That's not it at all, amen. He has deposited within me the earnest of my full inheritance. Hallelujah. I've got just a little bit, amen, of what I'm going to have a whole lot of in soon coming time. Praise the Lord. Just a little bit of heaven right now is going on inside of my life and inside of yours. Stand with me, would you? Stand with me. There's just a little bit. Remember, remember when you leave, you're going home with the Father. I'm going home. Don't. Don't get so attached well we used to sing this song I can't feel at home in this world anymore Lord you know I have no friend like you those old songwriters had a little had a little taste of redemption you know it because he said something like this if heaven's not my home dear God what can I do but the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Lord, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Hey, I'm not preaching an escapism religion. I'm preaching to you truth. 
This is truth.